Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good morning, sunshine. Welcome to another episode of the What's Eating You podcast. I hope you are off to a slay day today. Remember, you are amazing. Stop being so hard on yourself. I know what you were thinking today. I should be doing more. I should have done this. I should have done that. Should statements will leave you feeling like a failure. So right now, I want you to think of one thing you're proud of this week. What's been good? Okay? You deserve that. What's been a challenge? I'll let you think of the challenge now. Because remember, what you think to yourself starts your day. So we've all got challenges. We've all got highlights. Don't forget to recognize how far you've come. And that brings me to today's episode where I'm actually being introduced by Nikki Chamberlain. Now, Nikki is a health and mindset coach, and she's on the show to interview me about women and their body image. And I love that Nikki asked me some really important questions, not just really specific, but more generalized questions around body image and We actually went through a lot of practical strategies, which you can do yourself. So I really encourage you to listen to this episode, take the strategies on board and try them. If you're someone who struggles with your body image, with the way you look, with going to the beach, with your weight, shape, size, cellulite, this is for you because I teach you how to move past that using practical techniques. And if you haven't yet, please like, subscribe, share the podcast, give it a rating, all the things, because that's what helps this podcast grow and what lets me know that you are enjoying it. And I appreciate it so, so much. So enjoy the episode and I'll see you on the other side. Bye. Welcome back to another episode of the Health and Happiness Homeroom. I am joined today by the very funny and charismatic and extremely intelligent (laughs) Stephanie Giorgio. So Steph is a psychologist, a published author, a board-approved supervisor and clinical psychology registrar, but she's also known as Mind Food Steph, if you don't already follow her. Uh, She has helped so many people transform their relationships with food and live a better quality of life. So thank you so much for giving your time today, this morning, to chat to us. Thank you, Nikki. I'm very excited to be here and share the wisdom and knowledge with your community and your listeners. Thank you. What I love about you is that 
you you just address so many things in your content where I go, oh, she's inside my head. <laughs> and it's not even always, you know, food-related or behaviours around food-related. It is just so many things, um, which I'll touch on later, some of the, the points that you bring up. But you, you just have this amazing way of kind of going, this is how we feel. We don't understand why. This is why. It's not your fault. You're not crazy. <laughs> and this is how you can deal with it. So it's it's brilliant. But if you – how did you get here? Like what is it that you do? How did you get here? How do you help women and people? Good question. And thank you so much. Honestly, I feel sometimes my content is very impulsive because it is. There's just days I just think, oh, my gosh, I'm feeling this, so I'm going to put it out there. But I think that's what can sometimes make content really valuable is that it's impulsive. It's in the moment. It's not this pre-planned, perfectly curated thing. Like some of the most, I guess, viral TikToks I've had are the ones where I've got no makeup, no lighting. It's just in the spare of the moment. So yeah, thank you so much. I think we can all just relate to that sort of impulsive vibe. How did I get here? So it started on Instagram for me. So back in the day, I started, I guess, a food page. So I went through my own eating disorder struggle in my teen years. That's why I became a psychologist. But I wanted to share my food journey. I love going out for brunch. My Instagram actually used to be called Melbourne Brunch Queen because I would go out for brunch and everyone would say to me, hey, Steph, where should we go for brunch? Where's a good place in this area? So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to put it online. And that's how it started. And I used to get invited to cafes and collaborate. And this one, this was when social media and influencing was in its sort of infancy stage. Not everyone was doing it. And it just blew up. People really love watching people eat. And it's weird because I love watching people eat and oh, you can't explain it. But then what happened was during the pandemic, obviously cafes were shut. We couldn't go brunching. And I was sort of introducing a bit of psychology into my Instagram story. So one thing I did do was I jumped on stories very early before video was a thing. I was on stories every day. Hey guys, this is what I'm doing today. This is what I'm eating. Eat this with me. And I reckon that's why I blew up because I got into video media before it was, I guess, a thing before Instagram brought out reels. And then throughout the pandemic, obviously cafes weren't, were closed. So I just started to do more psychology and inject a bit more of that in my life. And then I changed my name to Mind Food Steph. And that's the story of Instagram where I just, I show food. I talk about psychology, building a healthy relationship with food because I never had one. And then TikTok was the same. So exactly a year ago in February, I actually did commentary on Married at First Sight and that's how my uh, TikTok sort of took off. And then I just made that a psychology page. So if you like just pure psychology topics, that's TikTok, whereas Instagram's more fun, it's more food. And that's how I got here. Mm, amazing. It's And I was saying to you offline as well that we tend to attract people who are like us, mm. don't we? And that's why you're, you have such a massive following because, yeah, everyone loves food. Everyone loves a bit of humour. Everyone loves looking at another woman showing parts of herself that make us feel, thank God we're normal. Yeah. But we're too afraid to show ourselves. You know, like some of the, like the most engaged content I've done, yeah, me showing my cellulite or whatever, which is really like, I'm not going to pretend it doesn't bother me. Like, fuck knows it bothers me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it helps you know, it helps other people feel normal. And you are a huge advocate for 
body positivity, feeling confident in your body, nourishing your body most of the time, just eating food because it also tastes amazing and it's social and it's part of community and not demonizing food and not demonizing parts of our body. And I think that's why so many women go, oh, my God, thank God, someone who's normal. Yeah, yeah. And I think that word is is interesting, you know, quote, unquote, I guess normal. And I think that the goal of life for me and with with the cellulite and with posting all that vulnerable stuff is it exists, right? And where I come from is more, I guess, there's this spectrum. There's this spectrum of hate your body and then there's this full-on love your roles, love your cellulite, love everything, whereas I'm just like, chill, bro, you don't have to love it, but you don't have to hate it. You don't have to love your arms. It's okay. You don't, but you don't have to disrespect it and hate it. You don't have to say, I'm disgusting. I'm fat. I've got this. You can tolerate it. And that's why I really believe in being neutral in the whole sort of movement and just creating a relationship where that part of your body or eating a certain food isn't distressing to you anymore because people are aiming for perfection. I need to eat super clean or I need to lose all this weight. Whereas I think the key of life is have a binge. It's okay if you binge eat occasionally. It's okay if you emotionally eat. People are just demonized and monetized off these terms where I think the key is even if that happens, let's be chill about it. Let's create a life where we're no longer distressed by these topics or these behaviors. Absolutely not not stressed by them, not not. <sighs> thinking our worth or our our value is associated with these things. And I think, like you said, for decades, you know, women have been taught to try to or been told that we need to be perfect, not in the way we look, but in the way that we eat. Yeah. You know, just before we came online, I was telling you how I remember, gosh, like in high school, like 12 or 13, considering what to buy from the canteen Mm. because it's quote better. And that's decades, like quite literally decades of my life. And Obviously, the tide is changing now, right? But that doesn't mean that we haven't had exactly like decades of conditioning Mm. where we look at food and we go, oh, gosh, I'm bad or I'm whatever. You know, I was one thing um, I did want to actually ask you as a psychologist. So all of these buzzwords flying around, you Mm. know, we obviously say, oh, I binged, I binged. And I suppose in a sense sometimes that could be not disrespectful, but maybe like a little bit inconsiderate to people who actually have binge eating disorder. Yes. But whereas most people use that term binging, and I'm saying in regards to disordered eating. So as a psychologist, like what is, I suppose, Mm. what is the main difference? Like, but if someone's listening and they're like, I don't know, like, do I just have disordered eating and some things that I need to work through, some new habits, or do I have this out of control condition where I don't actually feel satiated and I keep eating and keep eating and it's secretive? Like what's the difference? That's such an amazing question. And it also depends on who you surround yourself with, because if you're in a diet cultured community and you're speaking of this, it's very normalized to say, oh my God, I I, I need to work off that wine I had last night. I need to work off that chocolate. You're reinforcing the idea that eating that food is bad and you need to punish yourself. So I just want to highlight that your community will really dictate your beliefs and your behaviors. So what is it? Eating disorders and disordered eating, again, happen on a spectrum. Disordered eating are related to behaviors in which 
you might modify your food, you might restrict going out, you might, you know, weigh your food to the extreme, and it may impair your life a little bit, but it doesn't cause, I guess, significant impairment. The main difference between, say, a psychological condition, such as an eating disorder, versus a behavior or problematic eating is a level of impairment it causes on your life. And I think this, no, I know this is why eating disorders and disordered eating go under the radar because it is so normalized. It's normal to weigh your macros and count them out. It's normal to, you know, talk about how much you ate and all of this at work. So it's hard to know. So I think if you're listening and you're like, am I messed up? What's wrong with me? you got to ask yourself, how much of my life, how much of my mental real estate is thinking about food, eating, dieting, exercising, taking up, and is it impairing in my life? Is it bleeding into the other areas? Do I think twice before going out? Do I research the menu online to see what the best option is? And I know everyone's done that. I've done it too. Um, am I, you know, scared to go into a relationship because of what someone might think about your body? Is this eating and all that? impeding on other areas of your life? I think is the big question to ask yourself. How much distress is it bringing? Mm, That's probably key, how much distress. And, you know, like, uh, and you're not saying don't count your macros or don't check out a menu before because that's fine, but it's it's what emotion is associated with that. You know, like I'll check out a a menu or the Instagram because I'm like, yes, what looks the best? Yes. Okay, but the the intention isn't because I'm distressed. Yes. Or if I'm, um, you know, I might use macros as a tool sometimes because I have a particular goal, but it's a tool and it doesn't cause me distress. Yes. You know, it makes me feel organised and it's, yeah, am I right in saying that? Like it's it's really what you're doing, it's the emotion that is created from that. Yeah, and I guess the purpose and the intent, like you said, because I know I get stuck in this as well when is it appropriate and when is it okay? Because I I get a lot of clients who are significantly overweight and they have an eating disorder, but they're like, I do need to lose weight, Steph. Like I get it, love myself and intuitive, but I'm, I need, I'm medically, medically, I need to lose weight. So it comes down to your intention and your purpose and how you feel in the process of it. If you're telling yourself, I need to lose weight, I, but medically or, I guess health-wise, you're actually within a healthy range. You really need to ask yourself, why? Why am I engaging in this behavior? Is it because I don't feel good enough? Am I doing it for something that I can have without doing that behavior? So I'll give an example, right? I had a friend and he's a, a professional bodybuilder and he was trying to get really big, like massive. And he he's massive already, but he was eating, I think it was like, so like thousands and thousands of calories a day and feeling so tired, lethargic, just horrible impact on his life. And then he stopped it. He's like, I'm stopping this because I'm not preaching what I practice. I'm a PT yet. I feel like crap. And But I said to him, why are you wanting to get bigger? And he said, oh, just to build more confidence. And I said, but you can choose to be confident right now without getting bigger. So if the thing you're trying to achieve, you can literally work on and get without changing your body. That's a really important question to ask yourself because so many people, oh, I just want to get more confident. You know, I just want to find someone. If I'm skinnier, I'll be happier. But all those things you can work on now without having to put that condition on yourself. Mm, Absolutely. And if you don't love yourself as you are or if you're not confident as you are, 
that goalpost is going to keep moving, right? Like when you get the partner, it'll just be another reason. When you lose that 12 kilos, it'll just be another reason because it's not about that thing. It's yeah. not about that tangible thing because confidence isn't tangible. Right? Yes. Self-love and self-worth, it's not tangible. But that also is a little bit exciting because it's, it's like, well, it's not real, right, which means we can change this. Yes. And, yes, it takes work, obviously. Um, yes, it, it means changing, you know, like our reticular activating system and the things that we, we subconsciously notice, mm. but it can be done. And you just, you just mentioned, um, you know, finding love or joy in the process. Again, this is you know an amazing thing, but what like what actually is that? How do you encourage yeah. or how do you teach your clients to do that? Is it you know creating an evidence log and keeping evidence of all the times that they you know do the anterior to the way they feel about themselves? What is it that you do? It's such a great question, and I'm going to use myself as an example. Yeah. Okay, so what happened to me was I went through a breakup in 2019. And then I went to Thailand and I did this retreat, life-changing, amazing, pushed myself, challenged myself, met people. And I was the fittest I'd ever been. I was the leanest I'd ever been because I was training three times a day and eating bird seeds. That's fine. (laughs) Now it was actually really, (laughs) it was actually really good food, but I went through that. And then what happened was over the course of a year, I put on 10 kilos, which it's fine. It's not that much. It's okay. But it sounds like a lot. And I was like, okay, what happened? You know when you wake up one day and you yeah. put on all this weight and you're like, yeah. what? This Wait. what? What happened? Um, so I was like, this isn't me. What's happening? Have I let myself go? What's wrong? And then I panicked. I went into panic mode. I'm like, I've never been, you know, um, this big, da 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 da. And this was after I'd overcome all my eating issues and demons, but this just reinforced everything we teach to people. You go on an extreme fitness diet, whatever it is, your body is going to just put the weight back on when you start eating normally again, da, da, da. So I said, Steph, calm down, right? You may feel rock bottom right now. I'd also cut, my sister cut my hair really short. I still hold that against her at that time. And I always had beautiful. A lot of things going on. A lot. I had, I had long hair and this all sounds trivial, but the point of the story was I didn't feel like myself. And I said, Steph, you got to practice what you preach. You need to do the things you would do at this size whilst working on the best version of you, whatever that may look like, because that's different for everyone and success is different for everyone. I forced myself to go out on dates at my heaviest. I went to the beach and I bought bathers at my heaviest to suit my body. And I wore clothes and I took photos and I allowed myself to feel sexy and okay. And I acknowledged, yes, I'm at my heaviest. Yes, I feel my most desirable. But unless I change that narrative and I start doing the things I would do if I was quote unquote skinnier, then I'll never be happy because if I can't accept myself at my quote unquote worst, then how can I actually enjoy my life at my best? Mm. So imagine, imagine, imagine if you can love yourself. Imagine if you can feel sexy, hot right now in your own body. Imagine when you're, you're working out and you're going out like, and you start to feel better, how good you can feel. Exactly. Oh, that's beautiful. And it's like I'm sure there's people listening right now going, yeah, but, you know, it's so hard and, oh, but I'm, I'm so much worse than that and all mm. those things. But mm-hmm. it is hard. It is so hard. It's fucking hard. But, like, the first is always going to be the hardest. Yes. Right? 
Like, and we're not talking massive things, you know. If you feel shit about yourself, don't go and buy a bikini and walk down the beach. Like, that's fine. What's a one percenter? Like, what's yes. a tiny thing that you can do that makes you feel attractive or desirable or confident and then you then build the momentum you gain the confidence from that you know like you know I was chatting to a client the other day and she was saying you know like her husband hugs her and she has like pulls his arms away from her stomach and puts them around her shoulders because and I'm like oh the poor thing who wants Mm, to live like that mm -hmm. who wants to not be able to feel sexy and attractive and desired right so that one percenter could be leaving his arms there What's yes. Happen? Yes. Go, gross. Yes. No. And in therapy, we call this graded exposure. So for anyone listening, think about what would your exposure hierarchy be? So if your ultimate goal is wear bathers to the, I was about to say to the gym, <laughs> don't wear bathers to the gym, <laughs> wear bathers to the beach. What, what are some steps leading up to it? Maybe it's going to the beach with shorts, or maybe it's just walking along the beach, not even going on the sand, baby steps, because this is called conditioning and you've conditioned yourself to avoid all the things that make you anxious but what you could actually start to do is undo that conditioning by proving your beliefs wrong so I'll give an example you might think oh if I go to the beach everyone's going to look at me everyone's going to think I'm fat you are not going to know that until you actually do that and prove that belief. You see, we teach our brain through experience. We retrain our fight and flight. It learns from experience, but we're teaching it bad experiences through what we think about. So by exposing yourself slowly, step by step, you number one, you're retraining your brain. You're rewiring your nervous system. And number two, you're showing yourself that, hey, I went to the beach. I didn't die of embarrassment or no one called me fat. And you teach yourself it's possible. And if this is possible, maybe the next step is possible. Mm, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then you gain that, like we said, you gain that confidence to take that next step in that, what did you say, gradiated exposure therapy? Yeah, yeah, great, graded exposure Great. therapy. And when you said hard, I just want to touch on that. Yes, everything is hard. I was even saying to a friend the other day, being happy is hard. Like it takes a lot of work mm. to be happy, you know, changing your thoughts, changing who you hang around, your actions. But you've got to ask yourself, yes, it's hard, but staying the same is freaking hard too. You know, do you want to avoid your body for the rest of your life? Do you want to avoid mirrors for the rest of your life? I guess I get it. Looking in the mirror is hard. Taking a shower with the lights on is hard. But it's hard now the way you're living your life. So you've got to choose your hard. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, exactly. And, like, what's... The, the short-term discomfort or hard going to gain you in the long run. Exactly. You know, doesn't mean that you your kids are playing at the park and you're happy to go and go down the slide with them despite the fact that you're going to look silly or are you going to play with them at the beach and be quote, like the fun parent because you don't want to, you're worried that what you're going to look like running with them and stuff. And like you said, it's, it's it's like it's like we're so logically aware of this. We're mm. so logically aware that this is all made up in our head. And no, not even necessarily. We may have had experiences that were shit that have helped create this. You know, some jerk when we were twenty who made a comment, "Oh, you're awesome. You know, you'd be greater if you were skinnier." Whatever, mm. something that's stuck with us, right? Yeah. But that is the minority, and it is always worth risking, like the highly improbable worst case scenario. Yes. Probably never going to happen. 
for the highly likely best case, which is that you go for that walk along the beach yeah. and you smile at some people and you've had a dopamine rush because you smiled and you get home and you're like, wow, wasn't so hard. I'm going to do this a couple of times a week. Yes. This is amazing. Yes. And then the next step and the next step. Yeah. And it's the accumulation of the baby steps. People think, what's the point? What's going for a walk going to do? But if you think of a beaker of water, every time you're taking a positive step towards yourself, you're, you're dripping a blue dot of ink in that water. So I go for a walk, ink. I go for, you know, I eat a healthy meal, whatever. I tell myself that I'm beautiful. I don't call myself fat today. All those mini steps they accumulate and the water will change and that's your environment, that's yourself, that's your mindset. So, yeah, remember, it's the accumulation of little things and those accumulations of thoughts, feelings, behaviours, actions, everything. Everything, yeah, the compounding effect. And, you know, I I can look back, and I'm sure you're the same, Steph, and look back at, you know, when I was, overthinking everything and so self-conscious and just the, oh, I had no time in my head because everything was dull in my world because I'm just constantly comparing and whatever. Like I can remember that, but I can't remember the moment that I I'm obviously a very different person now and I can't remember the moment that changed because there was no moment. Yes. There were just all of these little things that I started to do differently that have compounded exactly mm. like you said. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Yeah, it's the accumulation. So I think, you know, for everyone listening, ask yourself, what can I do today? What's just one thing where I'm just moving the needle a little bit in the direction of who I want to become while still loving and accepting myself with who I am now? Exactly. And it's, yeah, there's there's that. And it's, it's amazing in theory, but the difficult thing is that we do live in this diet culture, right? And there's so many things trying to, mm. not even just diet culture, but this comparative culture, you know, of women especially. And there's all these things trying to pull us like back into this current. And often they're people that we respect and we love, mm. you know. Um, it's all well and good to go, oh, I'm not going to care about old mate's opinion at work because he's a dick. But like, you know, if your close-knit group of friends who you love or your sisters or your mum are always talking about starting again Monday and, oh, you look really good, you've lost weight, like aligning Mm. your value with how you look. And it comes from a beautiful intention, right? It comes from a a positive intention. It's still very difficult to escape this, like, concept that we have where we need to worry what other people think. So I guess how, how do you... How do you help clients, help women who get triggered by this? Yes. So by people who love them and care for them but tend to go, oh, wow, you've lost weight, you look great, or how's, how's this diet doing that you were doing a while ago? And and just whenever they bring up their body or dieting, it triggers something in them and often they then default to mm-hmm. freaking out and, and binge eating. Like yeah. How do you help them work through this? Yep, good one. So two things. Number one is let's talk about, family members who may comment on your weight or friends that are. I come from a Greek household, right? And I grew up with diet culture. My mom didn't know any different. She was teased when she was younger for being overweight and she didn't know anything about food or nutrition. And then growing up, it was like the shakes era was the low fat era. It was the low carb, all that jazz. So yeah. And do, do you know what it is? Especially a lot of ethnic parents, they think they're caring and they think they're worried about your health, but it's the delivery that's really 
it lacks finesse. And I think we're very blessed to have grown up in a society where we're so conscious of the way we word things and how we say things, even on TikTok. I think people love TikTok because it's, it's like therapy. People are getting their needs met. But when it's family, look, you cannot control what they say, but what you do have control over is your response. So you can react or you can respond. And I get it. It is triggering AF. I know. Take a breath when this happens because when you take a breath, you get your nervous system kind of reset and you can kindly just say something such as that comment doesn't help me. Yeah. Or I'm not trying to diet right now. I'm actually really happy with where I'm at. Yeah. And this is with friends. This is with family. You can say, I'm actually going really well in my relationship with food. Those comments don't help me. Please don't say that. Right. Keep it simple or just walk away if you need to remove yourself from the situation because yes, we are responsible for our own triggers, but remember you can respond versus react. And the reason people will default, like you said, and go to binge eating or whatever, it's because it's a known coping mechanism that's familiar to the brain, right? Growing up, we're told to be quiet or don't cry, have a lolly, or you go to the dentist, well done, have a lollipop. We are reinforced to soothe our feelings with food. And that's why we default. So it's really important to acknowledge if that type of coping mechanism is one that you use, replace it with something else. Text a friend, have a, like even, you know, me and my sisters will have a little joke here and then if we, um, you know, our family says something or whatever, have other ways of coping, but don't be afraid to set a boundary in that moment with that caregiver. Oh, that's honestly, again, it's so clear um, and not to obviously devalue what you're saying, um, but it is, it's so simple, but we're so scared of putting anyone offside. But if this is to somebody that loves and cares for you, they're going to want to know if they're hurting, they're hurting your feelings without realizing, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Some might. And, um, <laughs> some, yeah. some will say, oh, I can't say anything. You're you're so sensitive or everything I say is wrong. And they'll go into victim mode, but you just mm-hmm. say, okay, okay, that's okay. Like just that's you need to learn not to react mm-hmm. because that's, that, honestly. that's where that's the power is. That's the power. Yeah. I love that. I, I always say respond, not react. And honestly, just taking that breath, that has changed my life in so many ways. Just stopping, taking a breath like activating like my parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous system like just calming for a sec and being like oh right do I want to scream at my children because they've been like yelling at each other all day and just knocked over milk yeah or do I want to go look it was an accident I did tell you to move away from the edge yes times, but you know and then how do you feel after that but honestly just taking a, a breath, breath my life yeah honestly my life yeah so and and it does because, and this is something I teach in my course called Unchain Your Brain, which we'll go into later, but literally when you are dysregulated or when you are triggered or when you're upset, your frontal lobe goes offline. So your brain, that is your logical reasoning, your decision-making, your judgment, your patience, it actually goes offline when you are in that fight-flight response. So by taking a breath, you actually get your frontal lobe back online so you can think logically. But when you're in that irrational moment, you can't think logically. So you have to train your brain to come back online so you can make the right decision. And a breath is one step. 
Oh, that's why I love your content because you just explain how this, this stuff, these urges that we have, they are out of our control. Like our brain just operates, our brain just happens and it's not a, it's not our fault. So what tools, what strategies, what can we do to respond rather than react? You actually a while ago put something up, um, <laughs> like a bit of a, I think it was a, I can't remember if it was a story or a video. Anyway, you were talking about, yeah, not giving in to urges and it had nothing to do with food. I think it was like, your partner or your ex-partner or something and you were like you were like I'm gonna argue with him for this 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 what would that have achieved like yes (laughs) but in the moment you were like oh like you know guns up I'm gonna argue with you um and but the way you explained it it was like oh that's really really clear and I guess what if you could just like because I'm butchering this right now (laughs) (laughs) explain um how to kind of deal with these urges, don't, not giving in to these urges that we have to either snap at somebody yep, or, yep. you know, re- react to however it is that they presented themselves. Yes, yes. And look, I, I want to emphasise that tri- triggers are normal and becoming aware of it is the first step. So if you can develop your psychological awareness around what triggers you or what sets you off. So a trigger is basically something that causes an emotional reaction in you. Okay. And for everyone, this is going to be different. So the first step I usually give people is let's do an audit. Let's do a thought audit. Let's do a trigger audit. Just notice throughout the week, what urges you to want to react? Is it when my kids are really loud? Is it when, you know, my partner's not listening to me? Is it when they're on the phone and I'm trying to talk to them? What is it that irks me? So one is develop your psychological awareness. The second thing is I love to think about ourselves in parts and we all have these different parts and different parts of ourselves get activated at different times. Okay. So if you can recognize that, oh my God, my, you know, angry child part is getting activated because this situation is making me feel unheard and unlistened to. So for example, you talk to your partner, they don't respond. I feel angry. I'm getting triggered. I feel angry because I feel I'm not getting heard. And this is the angry child part. Okay. What does this part need? This part needs to be heard. This part needs to be listened to. So, okay, how can I communicate that to my partner to get that need met? And it's about when he's off his phone, say, Hey, listen, when I talk to you and you're on your phone, you're not responding. I feel really unheard. I feel really unlistened to. Can you instead do this and this and this? And he might be like, Yeah, well, don't talk to me while I'm on my phone. Okay. Let's create a strategy around that. So notice your triggers. Try to identify them as parts of yourself. Like what is it? Is it the defensive part? Is it the avoidance part? Do you want to run away? What does that part want to do? Does it want to eat? Is it the undisciplined part? And then ask yourself what you need in that moment. You know, maybe you need a break. Maybe you need a breather. Maybe you need someone to validate how you're feeling. And then you can either meet that own need yourself or encourage those around you to help you meet that need. Mm-hmm. It's like you said, identifying it is the key thing. And going, what's the unmet emotional or physical, most mm. emotional need? Yeah. And then the communication. And obviously if it's with a partner in the moment, it's yes. usually a good time to communicate because they will be triggered, right? Um, but, yeah, that's honestly that was just a really good rundown of how to take that step back and work with what you've got like work with your brain yeah you know I feel like we're just so we're just such victims obviously yeah of the receptors in our brain that are releasing all these hormones like boom 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 boom, boom that make us re- react 
you know, in different ways. And it's there for a reason and it's there to prove us right. Yeah. You know, if we've had 20, 30 years of thinking our bodies aren't good enough or, you know, whatever it may be, it's going to keep finding proof of that until we start to retrain it differently, right? Exactly. And I think you said something really key there and it was recognising it, but I also want to encourage people, observe it. Instead of just falling victim to your brain, observe it. I know this morning I was observing myself just wanting to lose my shit over something dumb, like, you know, time of the month. So my hormones are a bit, you know, out of whack, but I was like, whoa, 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 girl, you're really feisty. You're really wanting to pick a fight here over nothing. And it's like a third person. It's like watching yourself and analyzing yourself from this curious observer. So take a curious stance to your behavior rather than, I guess, an emotive. I always say, view the hurricane, notice it instead of being inside the hurricane. Mm-hmm. The hurricane being your thoughts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good metaphor. Got it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yes. And again, hard to do, but harder to stay where you are. So hard. Right? Yeah. Do you want to feel a victim or out of control with your emotions all the time? Or do you want to do the work and be like, no, I can be a calmer person, a more patient person, a more assertive person, even, you know, yes. if you're giving into, you know, this, these emotions at work or with, with in a relationship that make you feel like you need to be smaller or quieter, whatever a thousand hypotheticals. Yes. And I just want to add one more thing there. You might be listening to this and thinking, oh my gosh, what's easy for you to say, or, you know, I've been through trauma and I want to acknowledge and identify that there are people who do get triggered more easily and they do flip out of that. So we all have this window of tolerance. It's kind of like a jar of how much we can handle. Some people have big jars, some people have small jars based on their previous experience. So just know that if you have gone through trauma or you have had difficult life experiences, your window of tolerance will be smaller, which means you're going to flip into hyperarousal or hypoarousal easier. So yeah, just remember that you might have a little window, which means you get triggered a little bit more. So you just got to do a bit more self-care around that. Thank you for acknowledging that. Yeah, that's absolutely true and considerate as well, excuse me, because we all have experience and privilege and all those things that make up who we are and our filter and all those things. Um, I also love all the analogies. I'm a real visual learner, so I'm like, oh, yeah, water drops and jars. Yes, and we love our we love our metaphors. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, look, I'm aware that um, I I could keep talking to you for ages, but I'll I'll finish it up on one question, and it's going to be pretty open ended, and we probably already touched on it. But I guess if there was like one as a psychologist, right? Mm-hmm. What is, I suppose, the biggest thing that you knew, you wish that women knew about how they can take power over their thoughts, power over, I suppose, like the sovereignty, the way they feel about their body? What is the biggest thing that you wish they knew? Mm. Hating your body doesn't change it or change the situation. And how you think determines how you feel. People think that they're, feelings are about a situation, but it's not. It's actually your thoughts. And if you can reprogram your thoughts to be effective, it doesn't have to be positive, just effective. You change how you feel and then your feelings change your behavior. So moral of the story is notice your thought, audit it, rewire it, and then your feelings will change. So thoughts control how you feel. So change how you think about your body before your body even needs to change and then everything will fall into place. 
Oh, yeah. Love that. Thank you so much. Again, I like the... Yes. And if people want help with this, I have a lot of online programs. I've got my app. I've got a mindset reset 30 day challenge. I actually teach you to rewire your brain in 30 days. So don't be afraid to reach out, download the app, give that a go. And yeah, don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. Give yourself some grace. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you know? Um, we're, we're perfectionists in so many areas of our life and that's how women get so much shit done and it serves us so well, but it does not serve us so well in this area when it comes to judging ourselves. Exactly. So where can people find you and all of these, excuse me, you have, you have a lot of free resources as well. Um, how can they find you, where to work with you, all the things that you offer? Yes. Thank you. So if it's for psychological counseling and therapy, I have an amazing team. So I have an online clinic called Mind Food Psychology, and we do everything. We do ADHD assessments. We work with eating disorders, depression, anxiety, psychological therapy. I have an amazing team that does that. If you're wanting more relationship with food, if you're wanting more mindset, if you're wanting more, I guess, coaching style, it's not based on, I guess, a psychological condition, then find me at Mind Food Steph on Instagram and on TikTok. And my app is called Mind Food You. And you can download the app. There's courses on there or head on over to the podcast called the What's Eating You podcast, where we give lots of free information and advice as well. Oh my gosh, so much valuable information there. Like we are so lucky in the world we live in today to have so much just content that we can absorb and learn and just become. So yes. Anyway, thank you so much for your time. It has been so valuable. I really, really appreciate it, Steph. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you everyone for listening. Have an amazing, amazing week ahead. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.